Welcome everyone to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a member of the 1012 Podcast Network. You can find all the incredible coverage of the Big 12 over at 1012network.com. If you like what we do, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends where you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. I'd also like to remind you this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. They are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best dress fan all year long, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long. With more than 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs and, that's right, and you can get 15% off any non-sale item by using the, co- using the code 101215 at checkout. That's ten one two one five at checkout. Shop today over at charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage made Fresh. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's only been escorted out of an establishment in Lubbock once. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, are you? You know, uh, you say that and I have to really sit and think, because Lubbock feels like the type of place that you get, a, you, you know, you get you get escorted out of places. There's nothing to do. People drink. Uh, I think I, I think I should spend a, a brief couple hours, a spring break, maybe? No, I don't remember. Anyways, I haven't spent much time in Lubbock, and that's a good thing. Um... Lubbock just brings the nasty out in you. I think the folks who live there just are so genuinely unhappy with life that it just it's, it's got to be one of the worst places to live in the face of the planet. What else is there to do other than get drunk and disorderly, right? Like there's nothing really else to do in Lubbock. You get drunk, you get disorderly, you go to a football game, basketball game, whatever, and you get disorderly. But talk about that later, but We've got a lot to talk about today. Big baseball weekend, big diamond weekend overall. We'll also talk about the men trying to compete for a spot in the NCAA men's tournament. Let's talk about the ladies competing for the Big 12 championship. And then a lot of other great championship stuff on the line. We'll close the show out with some Godzilla Tron and some Bang the Drum. But we will start with that number 15 Texas men's baseball team at the dish completing its third ever series shutout against Cal Poly to get a massive, massive dose of adrenaline, a dose of whatever, heading into a big, big weekend coming up. They dismantled HCU in the middle of the week, and then they came out and just did whatever they wanted to against Cal Poly. 15 nothing in that weekend series. Started off with a gem from LeBaron Johnson on Friday night. Yeah, innings pitch eight Ks, two hits. He was named the Big Twelve Pitcher of the Week. He was uh, electric in that one. And, and look, um, they have a they have a solid um, a solid first first starter who uh, gave Texas some trouble as well. The two runs they needed, you know, at least one of them, both of them made it nice. But uh, LeBaron went pretty much the you know the the entirety you expect for a starter and in, in save position brought in Gage Bohm to get his first career save it was kind of uh exactly the blueprint for a pitcher's uh win and that's what you know when you have a pitcher like LeBaron Johnson you look for so that's the LBJ game that we've been looking for that's um tremendous start 
to a weekend, and you thought, all right, it's going to be pretty good. I mean, you look at this entire weekend. The starters had 19 shutout innings. The relievers, just to give them their credit, Gage Boehm, Grant Fontenot, Max Grubbs, David Shaw, and Easton Tumas took care of the other innings shutout, but uh, LeBaron got the first one, and then Charlie Hurley got the the mound uh, in the second one, throwing six shutouts, uh, getting a couple Ks in there, um, and then finally uh, Cody Howard in his first career start uh, went five scoreless, three Ks, scattered seven hits across five. Um, took a couple defensive plays to keep the shutout. Uh, Porter Brown had a nice play uh, to gun a guy who tried to uh, run on him to home, and uh, they took care of that one to preserve. Sent him downtown. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely the story of the pitchers. Like, there's no doubt about it. When you have um, when you have that type of weekend the the first since 2002 and the only other one happened in 1971 right it's 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 a very rare occurrence just the way college baseball works where you don't have an error you don't have someone stringing together a couple hits you don't have a couple walks you don't have a reliever give up a home run you know you don't have something somewhere that's even you know you, you see these crazy scores where it's you know texas went 20 to 3 against hcu right teams will, will go 28 to one, right? It's just hard to shut a team out in in college baseball, and it's it's especially hard to do it three in a row. So good on the pitchers, but you have to give a little credit to the bats, who kind of uh, two runs, six runs, seven runs seem to get stronger as the weekend went on. Yeah, I mean the bats absolutely did uh, catch, not literally catch fire because they're metal, but um, continued to uh, gain momentum. Two nothing Friday, six nothing Saturday, seven nothing. On Sunday, Jared Thompson, two for four with a dinger. Max Bellew only had one hit in two chances, but went over the yard for two in that one. Peyton Powell, we mentioned him already, four for five with a solo shot and a then two-run shot in the seventh, absolutely. Plus, the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Flores. I think Jalen Flores is going to try to have him a season this year, at least from the plate, because um, he had a home run as well. But... Overall, when you think about it, the bats, even in spite of the the pitching being what it was this weekend, um, the bats are probably the story of the start of the season. I think it was always, uh, you know, we mentioned it last week. It seems like in the last couple of years, it's been one or the other where the pitching is good, but the bats are not so great or the bats are great uh, and the pitching's kind of iffy. And it seems like at least early in the season, and again, I, I feel weird being optimistic, but it seems like Texas has got both of them going at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the, the one uh, they won the opening series, dropped one game in there, and people, you know, got uh, a bit bent out of shape over another California team. Look, they played once Cali kids. Cali kids play baseball well. So uh, a couple wins over some California teams are, are definitely good with it, with a Lance Berkman in the middle of them. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Gerald. I think um, Jared Thomas and Peyton Powell's a one-two punch is, is – Maybe the best one-two punch in in at least the conference. Um, but let's see where it goes with that. Thomas is batting 581 with five doubles. We'll talk about a certain softball hitter who's the only reason he's not the hottest hitter in the state of Texas. Um, with five doubles, one homer, and 14 runs scored because he gets on base. And then who drives him in? But Peyton Powell is hitting 441 and three doubles, a triple, four homers, and 18 RBIs. Powell was named the Big 12 Player of the Week. LeBaron Johnson, the Big 12 Pitcher of the Week. And to, to bring it back to where we started, the Texas. Pitch Pitching staff, 
under their new pitching coach. He's a upstart young hotshot who uh, seems to be pretty good at this thing. Of course, I'm joking. David Pierce taking over those responsibilities. <laughs> the staff ERA of 166 in Pierce's first season back as the pitching coach seems to be pretty darn good. I didn't believe the stat. I totally forgot that this happened last year. They did not have a shutout in 2023. And then they threw three of them this weekend. Which is absolutely incredible again staff era 166 for david pierce's first year as the uh pitching coach we said it in our preview the guy knows what he's doing texas followed that big weekend with another big weekend didn't have another shutout but took on the saint john's mike antico's and won 15 to four Jalen Flores told you guys going to try to have a year two home runs six R's BI including an 850 combined feet of home runs in that one <laughs> yeah another grand slam to go ahead uh, that one in the fourth so inning mommy. the guy likes to uh, put him over the fence just a, a beautiful shot uh, on his on both of them actually and uh, the seventh another one Will Gasparina though is the the guy I was watching here the freshman everything are, are you know top rated recruit big giant five tool players got MLB scouts salivating look to kind of put it together in this one big day going three for three with a double and four RBIs he's at the bottom of the order if he gets going like that then watch out he could slide up and hit you know fifth sixth by the end of the year if he really puts it all together and and be a real weapon for this team uh Luke Harrison came in relief and got the win Texas started slow in this one but but obviously finished strong 15 to four and the best part of the the uh that Tuesday game was Tanner Witt came in get a little confidence get a little little rust off still um through a scoreless ninth inning one ground out one fly out and ended the game with a strikeout didn't get the save because they were up big but it was it was nice nice to see we were all witnesses of mm. that love it uh so a big telling and um consequential stretch we'll say it next seven games for texas heading on the road to their first road game of the season to play number three lsu texas state and number nine vandy uh which it's technically on the road but not out of the state we always hate when texas goes to minute made it seems like <laughs> terrible things happen there but three lsu texas state and number nine vandy so we'll get to know what texas is made of after that uh astros foundation college classic this weekend and then that's right. Then they get number seven, Texas A&M midweek. Texas A&M's hitting the ball this year. It is going to be a very interesting matchup. And then it seems like it's too soon for this to happen, but they open Big 12 play next weekend at number 18, Texas Tech. The last time a men's team will go to Lubbock for the foreseeable future, hopefully forever. But that brings us to the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. We'll start with some trophies that were raised. The number three women's track team, Won the Big 12 title while the men finished third in that terrible, terrible town of Lubbock. Number 14 overall indoor title for Texas. The ninth in 10 seasons. Flo knows, and he knows how to make the women's goes, right? Coach Flo <laughs> led the women to nine titles. Five indoor, four outdoor, and 11 chances, which is absolutely incredible. That's real good. Uh, and there were a lot of people to shout out here. I'll quickly run through sophomore. Uh, Dejana Oakley uh, was named the Big 12 Indoor High Point Performer uh, after uh, just edging out her teammate with 20 points in the meet. 
uh, won the 400s, the runner-up in the 200, uh, just had a great uh, event all around. Uh, our girl, uh, Christine Blazavica, who we've been enjoying saying her name for four years now, won her third Big 12 pentathlon with a school record, 4,430 points. Seems like a lot of points. She now has the top five pentathlon scores in school history uh, and has now won six Big 12 multi-events. i uh, like to see the young ones get in there. Freshman Akela Garrett won the 600 freshman Nina Nudwisi uh, claimed her first conference title in the shot put with the number four throw in school history. For good measure, Crystal Harpin finished as the runner-up. Um, senior Amelia Chatfield won the 60-meter hurdles. And then uh, Flo knows a lot of things, but he definitely knows jumps. Uh, and this is where you can kind of uh, bridge from the women, who um, incredible winning the fourth Big 12 title of the year for the school already in the final Big 12 year. Uh, Akelia Smith won the long jump. Fourth in the triple, sixth in the 60 to total 19 points, being the second highest scorer. Um, and Gerald, even though the men finished third, I believe there was a long jumper of note to keep it on the jumps. Uh, the Nuge. Texas swept the long jump, actually. The Nuge and uh, the aforementioned Akalia Smith, meaning that they both won the title not on their third jump, but on their first jump to become the first Longhorn duo or pair to win the men's and women's long jump titles. Nuge himself became the only multi-event multiple winner in UT history uh, and an individual event winner at the same conference meet. Uh, Again, just continues to have an excellent, excellent career, putting himself among uh, some of the greats in the Longhorn track and field. Uh, Sophomore Jer- uh, Jeremiah Noob had a pr- uh, five personal bests on his way to his second Big 12 title career uh, and setting a new school record. The Biz, Yusuf Bismana, won the 1,000 meter, too many meters uh, for his eighth Big 12 title. And then Kelsey Daniel finished 0.01 centimeters off of first place in the triple jump to come away with a second place win. Yeah, close for the men. I wonder if uh, you get that 0.01, if that changes anything. Um they're, they're still a top 10 team. I think the after this one, they stayed at number seven. Women moved up to number three. Uh, so they still each have hopes for uh, indoor nationals, and a lot of folks qualified. So they'll uh, they'll be looking for the, the next thing ahead. Next thing ahead is outdoor season, which is coming up soon. Next thing ahead for us is the softball team. Number two, softball drops its first game of the year, but goes four and one in the Lone Star Invitational. They were a whopping... 21 and O or I guess 21 uh, to nothing over their first three games and then gave up through a four to Stanford in a three to four loss then capped off the weekend on Saturday evening with a five to four win over Louisiana. So it was five, nothing over Louisiana, seven, nothing over Colorado, nine to nothing over Colorado in five on Saturday. That's our first run rule of the year, I believe. Uh, And then a four to three loss to Stanford in extras and then a five to four win over Louisiana to close it out. Big weekend from the pitching staff, big, Big weekend from the man, the myth, the or I guess the the person, the myth, the legend herself, Reese Atwood. Yeah, I, I mean, we need to talk about Reese Atwood. Like, we need. It's time we that have you talk. To talk. It's time that you talk to your kids about Reese Atwood. Um, Kat Osterman, Kevin Durant, Roger Clemens. It's a bit exaggeratory to put the sophomore in uh, this territory, but Ivan Melendez, who um, she is lapping his numbers as the trajectory. The, the the best player in the in the nation right now. Now there's a long season. Um, she's on pace to smash. I think the the leading home run hitter last year had 17 in the Big 12. She's got 11 uh, before Big 12 play uh, even starts. So um, 
she is just just seeing a, a beach ball right now. Um, you can, it's evidenced by right. Go go to that Colorado State game that when they won nine zero in, in five innings. Um, she had been walked intentionally on eight pitches. Hadn't seen a pitch to hit. Um, she gets up her third time uh, with bases loaded, so they can't walk her. It wasn't the first pitch, but in the third pitch, she puts it 270 feet over the left field wall with an absolute rocket of a grand slam. It's like when people have to pitch to her, she'll just put it over the fence. Um, the fi- you could have walked her. It would have been better for you. Honestly, one run is less than four, and when you're playing baseball like golf, uh, pitchers, uh, less runs is better. Um, but yeah, I mean, she just she's just unbelievable. Um, I think it's important to talk a little bit about that number 12 Stanford um, loss, right? It was extra innings, and uh, Texas played really great they you know Mike White said they, they didn't play their best uh, their best ball and they they kind of gave it away but they fought back and they took it to extras against I don't think it, it should be missed Najari Kennedy's is the best pitcher in the nation right and basically all of softball world was watching these two um as Reese Atwood came up and tied the game up with a home run only the third player to ever hit a home run off Kennedy this um, year right Kyle third player this year Nope, that is the third player ever. Third player ever. all time. Wow, ever. that's an accomplishment. Well, maybe someone did in high school. I don't have those stats in front of me. At the collegiate level, the third time, the the you know she was electric last year, just untouchable stuff. Um, I think she had almost twenty wins last year, just electric, and, and really announced herself on the national stage. Uh, gave up two home runs so far, zero this season. She gave up one already in in one game against Reese Atwood. Um, she won the national pitcher of the week for her performance. That's how how good uh, she was, but she still um, gave one up to to Reese Atwood because she's just locked in. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about. And she was rewarded, right? The Big 12 Player of the Week, of course, uh, for the second time in three weeks, but also she was the national uh, D1 softball and NFCA national player of the week. So um, just crazy stats in a crazy week. Um I can't be overstated. Like Reese Atwood is playing as well in her sport as any person on the 40 acres currently, at least um, maybe you start talking about the last few years and, and then some, cause you know, it's a long season, but right now she's as hot as any player in the country. I, I appreciated you putting out Kyle did this on Twitter. Most of our viral tweets are me, but Kyle did this one. Um, the comparison of her numbers to some of the all-time seasons. And it's absolutely just a, a wonder to watch. And, and, and again, we, um, we get so used to watching greatness in Texas athletics. And I say that a little tongue in cheek, but also not tongue in cheek when it comes to the women's side, uh, that it just kind of becomes banal. And so like you're watching history when Reese Atwood walks up to the plate, uh, at least as it's shaping up right now. So Leads they- the nation in batting average hits, uh, RBIs, uh, home runs, all the all the categories. And all basically, of them. if there's something to lead the nation in that's not pitching related, she's leading it. And I bet she could probably at least be top ten if she tried hard enough at pitching. I don't know. That's that's a joke. She probably couldn't, but it's ever. Uh, anywho, a, another tough run for uh, a diamond sport. We talked about the men. The ladies uh, go to Texas State. They're playing right now in San Marcos before hosting the Longhorn Invitational over the weekend. They've got Northwestern State, Tarleton State, Hofstra. And Penn State. Big 12 play for them also starts next weekend. Gerald, update. So, they they just finished that game. They won 1-0. A, just went uh, 
a that's right a two hit nine strikeout shutout for the freshman uh, who was just electric. I think uh, we knew the pitching. We talked about the hitting for a long time, but Tegan Kevin is is unbelievable as a freshman. Like again. Cat Osterman comparisons are a bit premature, but um, she's going to be something really special. Another great freshman class after we talked about last year's freshman class. So a lot of talent in the pipeline for Coach White. Coach White doing the thing. Number five, women's basketball. Uh, As we, right before we started recording, fell to the Oklahoma Sooners uh, on a last second three-pointer to basically a suit to uh, lock themselves into second place in the big 12 for the regular season. Uh, there was a lot to talk about from that game, Kyle. They came off a massive win uh, over uh, UCF in Orlando, a nearly 30 or 31 point uh, drubbing number three in the polls. Uh, and then, Go to Norman. They're up by double digits. OU comes back. They've got both teams have chances to win it late. OU gets not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six or seven chances at the bucket to end it. Get bailed out by a phantom uh, travel call when a player did not have possession of the ball, but that's neither here nor there because you don't can't give up seven second chances at a game-tying or game-winning shot. You just can't do that. You can blame the refs all you want, and I will, but also – there's a lot of that left on Texas that they could have decided themselves. Yeah, there's a 47 to 30 rebounding disparity. There's also a 21 to 5 offensive rebounding disparity. That's the story of the game. That's how OU stayed in it. But it's going to keep that Schaefer up at night. Well, it sounds terrible, but then you realize um, Aliyah Moore fouled out, uh, only playing 23 minutes. Uh, Amina Muhammad fouled out in nine minutes, like crazy. Uh, and Taylor Jones carried four fouls. Uh, for most of the game, uh, Shea Holly, again, your most aggressive defender, uh, carried four fouls. Um, you know, it, it's tough. Like that, that, not that that would have changed the game, but if some of those bigs could have been playing and it wasn't just Taylor Jones at the end, um, it, it may have come to something different. Again, I, I'm not going to falter, um, but on that last possession, you would love to have the ball in Rory Harmon's hands, right? That's where you, you have a freshman who's been making plays. And really, you know, they had two players with 10, but the only other, you know, uh, player scoring the points was Maddie Booker with 26. Um, 26, eight rebounds, seven assists, by the way. Yeah, don't, don't uh, short her. That, that was a night she had. I think she also had six steals. Like, she just was unbelievable. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that last play, the way you look at those fouls that they've been called, 22 on OU, 23 on Texas, you think maybe there's contact there, especially after, you know, you get the uh, – you get the kind of cheap call at the other end, but it doesn't get called, and that's that's how it breaks. And you know, it is Texas. They lost it. It was oh, you hit a three at the end off a, a loose ball scrap where the ball just happened to fall to a girl wide open, and she took her shot and she made it. So good on them for for making that. Um, but it was Texas's loss. They just needed to secure any one of those balls where Gerald talked about where they gave them so many chances. Um, you know, in in this could have been a, a different game. Oh, you came back from down double digits in this one to ultimately win it. It's 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 hard to stomach, but maybe again, this is where Vic, if you saw the story, how uh, I think it's eight hours after a game is you know the NCAA mandated rest and recovery period uh, where you can't practice. So after the last OU game, Vic gave them eight hours and fifteen minutes because he's a gentleman uh, where they were back on the court at five fifteen a.m. getting after it. Um, and and you might have something similar here, right? It's uh, they do have to travel back, so maybe a little bit more. But um, 
you know, as they close out the season, look to the Big 12 tournament. They'd like to win that uh, for seeding and keep that number one seed, right? This this does hurt that a little bit as the number three team in the nation. Um, but yeah, you, you, you hope that um, they can get something going in the tournament, really secure that top spot so that they can make the run they'd like to make. They're, they're a Cinderella story without Rory Harmon. It's all uh, better and ahead of where it should be, but I will say... It's a little bit heartbreaking that it was theirs. The the Cinderella story could have been complete. They could have won the Big 12 championship regular season, um, their fifth of the the Big 12 final year. Um, But, you know, at least it went to another team who's leaving leaving for the SEC. Yeah, I mean, this is like you said, Kyle, the... What's lost in all of this is that, again, and I, I think I said it last week or maybe a couple weeks ago, but we were, like, writing this team off in the games immediately following Rory Harmon's injury. Like, we didn't say it on air, but, like, we said that your expectations for this team have to shift a little bit when you lose, who is, our, you know, the, the person who's arguably, maybe not even arguably, um, best player, one of, if not the best players in the country, Um and here they are, like we are complaining that they're one rebound away from winning a conference championship. Again, just you know, six weeks removed from losing your top player for the entire season. So we have to like, we're, we are not into morale victories here, moral victories, however you want to say it. But you have to take that loss with a grain of salt. You have to take this whole season with a grain of salt that Texas legitimately has and, and likely, you know, with what if they take care of business in the big 12 tournament should and will have a high seed and make a deep run in the tournament. And again, they're doing all of this without their key player that they really built towards. Like when you think about women's basketball, it used to be this way in men's basketball, but women's basketball, you build toward a year, right? You have, you have a star player uh, or multiple star players in this case, and you build toward your deep, big championship run. And this was one of those build toward years and that build toward player got hurt. So we have to put all of that in a, in a, um, in, this isn't. This can't be evaluated in a vacuum. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so all those things said, Texas had a shot at a conference championship, could not convert. Uh, so they've got uh, Big 12 tournament coming up. They've got um, likely the number. Well, they will be the number two seed on the opposite side of the bracket from OU. Uh, hopefully they will play a third time, and Texas can finally get a freaking win in that one. Speaking of going on the road and getting a dub, the Texas men went on the road to Lubbock and came away with a dub. They got absolutely murdered uh, by Kansas and think took that personally and absolutely smacked the ravenous Texas Tech crowd, 81 to 69. They led end to end. They were up by like 25 at one point. Absolutely ridiculous. Brock Cunningham tossed from the game after I'm going to be real. That was a, that was a legitimate tossable play. That was not a basketball play. That was a hip check and it is what it is, but also like don't throw stuff on the court. You mouth breathers. Yeah. I mean, I, look, you could, you could go either way with targeting on that one. Um, you know, no, I'm kidding. It's not football, but um, a solid tackle. Uh, great, great form tackle. I, look, yes, it was it was it was a it was a flagrant foul. It was a flagrant one, at least probably flagrant flagrant to his right. You don't have to try to defend it. He made a basketball play. The play before that, he tipped a pass. That's that's what Brock does. He hustles after. He had steal earlier where Chendall Weaver got the the tar knocked out of him, um, where Brock was diving on the ground. Right. That's that's what he does. He felt it. He internalized it. He brought some of that energy. He was basically going for a loose ball. Now. When the ball went out of bounds and that man was also running for a loose ball at full speed, did he, you know, decide to hip check him uh, into the booth? Sure. Sure, he did. Um, but, you know, I'm okay with it. 
Uh, I'll say that on there. It's fine. Uh, I have no problem with the play, right? When when you look at what their fans have done between the the pitchforks with the bus and the chanting F Texas, like they're just venomous, horrendous, terrible people. Like, I don't mind it. You're in their thing. Go go make the energy play. Put those dudes a little fear in them. But it, it was a great actual basketball game. Rodney Terry said they won this game before they got on the plane with the way they practiced. And and that's tremendous, right? Like what a great mindset. He said, we've played in loud buildings before, right? That building didn't, they expected that to win it for me, didn't do anything. Um, I love that. Talk your stuff, Rodney Terry, right? I mean, this is, you're looking at Bart Torvik's number 23 team, Ken Palm's number 28 team. I think they probably secured uh, a tournament with that win, um, but they need to go finish it out. And if they get hot at the right time, good for them. Um, but at the very least, this was a, a must-have game, and it was never in question. End-to-end, they led this thing. The final score, if you didn't watch it, looks closer than it was. I think Tech had a last-second meaningless three-pointer. But um, even still, it was like a 20-point game most of this game. It was, I think, 25 points when Brock actually got ejected. But um, Dylan DeSue, surprise if you heard this before, led all scores with 21. Max Aismas returned to form, scored 18. Texas looked good. Those are the two big names with, I love to see this, their third leading scorer, Chendall Weaver with 15, right? I think... Those two as your main ball handlers, main scores, main offensive weapons. Weaver as a guy who's running the floor, making plays, bringing the energy. They found something in their formula uh, that seems to work. Now, we didn't necessarily see that against Kansas, and that's okay. Um, but it is an inconsistent team, but on the right night, when they're focused and locked in from the moment they tipped off, they looked they looked the part. When when that Texas team shows up, they, they can hang with anyone. I'm starting to sound like a broken record because I've said it on multiple weeks. We have seen the highs of this team and we've seen the lows of this team and we saw them both illustrated in these last two games right that outing against Kansas was the low they came out flat the stars couldn't get any sort of offense going and Texas looked like a really terrible team and then the stars got going in Lubbock uh, the stars at night were real bright uh, in the heart of West Texas and Texas came up with a huge win to lock themselves in uh, not I, I can't say lock I, w- I won't say lock uh, but Texas is all but guaranteed at this point probably a spot in the NCAA tournament yeah I think I saw something that said like they um, 111 out of 115 com- computer simulations had them in they're pretty close to like a nine likely 10 seed um just have to kind of see out the rest of this year their 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 final games and um you know show up and do the things that they know they can do um i i think they they should be in with four uh, quad one road wins puts them uh like i think in the top 10 in the country in that stat so it's hard to say that team shouldn't make the tournament you think about you know they they took the number one team objectively outright very 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 good u of h team to overtime and much like we just talked about that ou women's game they should have won that game uh but fumbled it away um those things matter, I think, in their net ranking and, and where they'll be. So I'm I'm feeling much, much more confident after that win. Absolutely. Let's take it to the country club, Texas. Number four ladies edged out Stanford at Stanford on the road four to three. Led the overall match two nothing. It went deep, deep into the third set of the final singles match. Uh, and then Texas, Big 12 Conference play starts on March 3rd, so next week uh, against the Oklahoma Sooners in Austin. On the men's side, swept St. John 7 nothing. They're 92 on the season, their fifth sweep of the year. They've got TCU on Saturday. 
in Fort Worth. The golf team was also on the links this weekend. Number 22 men's golf finishes third at the Southern Highlands Collegiate. Tommy Morrison cards a college best five under 67 on Tuesday to finish in a tie for sixth in the individual standings, while Nathan Petrozino uh, slipped just a bit on the last day to go from third to ninth in the individual rankings. Uh, eight ranked teams in that, including three of the top five. Uh, and uh, Christian Moss did not compete uh, because he was uh, off doing some uh, international play. That's right. Uh, earning a runner-up finish uh, at the inaugural 72-person field for the Africa Amateur Championship fell in a playoff hole. Um, his nine under on Saturday tied the I course record. Those playoff holes. Um, but yeah, I mean, could have could have justified being there. If you're not going to win the tournament, why are you why are you not competing with Texas? I kid, of course. But a great uh, showing for Texas to get third at a at a tournament. You know, again, like Gerald said, with three of the top five teams, um, even without your best player. That's uh, Christian Moss, currently number thirteen in the world amateur ranking. So an elite player missing and and playing really well. So when he comes back in the fold, if Tommy Morrison can do that, if they can get you know one of the um, three to five guys in this case, uh, Petronzio, um, but any of those guys stepping up, they're starting to get a little bit of the juice. That number 22 is certainly too high for them. I'd like to see that closer to like number 12, number 15, and, and let them uh, keep chipping away and get that number to single digits eventually top 10 Texas. Petronzio, that's my fault. And then finally, we'll have more updates for you, but They've officially dove in the pool at the Natatorium, Texas, number two on the ladies' side, number nine on the men's side, going for Eddie Reese's 45th consecutive conference championship in his final chance to do so. Uh, off to an early lead in day one of that. Yeah, look good in the, the relays on the women's side, look good all over in the men's side. They uh, likely for Carol Capitani to get her 12th straight uh, and Eddie Reese to get his 45th straight, which again, is just Un, like my brain can't comprehend that um, conference consecutive conference title um, but great for two more as we head out of the Big 12 this will put our total at six on the year as long as everything continues um, but you know this is this is two teams that are set up for nationals women's swim um, with uh, 28 top 16 times this season uh, men with uh, eight top 16 times so both um, looking to compete at the national stage after this but got to get through those big 12s first and then look to the bigger prize all right, Gerald, now let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses. Love this every year. I think it's their third year doing it. Their 10K for 10K game uh, to close out the season. Vic Schaefer has pledged $10,000 if 10,000 fans show up to Senior Day on Saturday against BYU. That's donations going to the Neighborhood Longhorn Program. I believe the last two years they've raised over $100,000 at each of these games for that one. Yeah, get out if you can. It's uh, The game is not that expensive to go to. The ladies' games are always very uh, very cost-effective. Take the family out to check it out and be a part of uh, doing some good because Chris Del Conte announced that he will match Vic Schaefer's 10K uh, if we can get 10K fans out there. That's right, and it is senior day. Um, Shaylee Gonzalez getting to play her old team in BYU has exhausted her eligibility, Khadija Faye as well. Those are the only two announced for senior day, which was interesting. Um, curious what that means for senior Shay Holly, Deona Gaston, and Taylor Jones, all not listed amongst the celebrants at that. So maybe uh, with Rory getting hurt, they're 
they're all saying let's run it back, even if they, they still have stuff to play for this year, but looking towards a big one next year as well. And keeping it on the women's basketball, Jody Conrad to be honored with the, the Ann Richards Legacy Award. I'm not sure if that was for Jody Conrad or Ann Richards, but it could go either way. Um, <laughs> but that award recognizes those who serve as role models to young women uh, at the Ann Richards School and throughout the greater nation and world, um, presented annually to a, quote, person of high achievement who exemplifies Ann's qualities of grit, leadership, and generosity to others. That was for Jody Conrad and her 900 wins, uh, including a uh, 1986 national championship. Uh, absolute legend. Um, yeah, I don't know why they haven't named the basketball court after her. That's right, 900 wins, uh, 12 conference championships, and like Gerald said, the 1986 uh, natty for living legend, 82-year-old Jody Conrad. Um soon-to-be living legends, Longhorns competing at the national level for Longhorns invited the U.S. Rowing Olympic Selection Camp. Gerald, which of the four are going to make it? Are you saying all of them? Uh, I mean, I... I I want to say all of them. Uh, probably like Froelich, and, Froelich and Nifton, maybe. Probably are my two. Like, if I had to put a put a bet on something. You heard it here first. Names on the list. Good friend of the pod, Rachel Rain, three-year uh, coxswain of, of, you know, multiple national championships, all-time coxswain, who's, who's, you know, just getting absolutely crushed by Gerald. If you want to come on and, and take your shots back at Gerald, Rachel Rain, please come on the podcast. Also invited, in addition to Rain, is Daisy Mazzo Manson, one of my favorite names in the past decade. They're so of Longhorn sports. But, yes, they are all competing for a spot on Team USA for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Hometown Kate Nifton is certainly a favorite uh, from Austin. Longhorn legacy doing her thing love that speaking full, full of transparency uh, those are just the first two names on the list that's <laughs> <laughs> not not true i'm i'm creating a personal beef between rachel rain and gerald this is going to happen uh <laughs> speaking of uh beef uh north texas thought they were getting the next big coach from the dallas area uh former dallas high school legendary coach chris gilbert uh went there for a year to coach on field and just just couldn't shake the texas of it all is making his way back to the 40 huge recruiting win huge recruiting win uh for texas in a lot of ways chris gilbert um is just an absolute like i said legend part of the reason how, uh, how and why texas uh and sark were able to get back into dallas after being effectively shut out of dallas mm-hmm. uh for several years um and especially great to see it because friend of the show joe hamilton uh is going to college station and Oof. if you haven't kept up with uh old joe joe came on early in the podcast days to talk about recruiting but joe is now uh one of the like up and comers in the recruiting world uh he was with uh billy napier at louisiana and then went with him to florida and uh, i think made a smart career decision to uh take the job at a&m this year to uh help bolster their recruiting dj lagway's dad said that joe was a big reason why dj lagway yes that top quarterback recruit went to florida yeah, our guy Joe is a friend of the pod for a long time, friend of Texas, now enemy of Texas. If he ever wants to come on the pod, we'll still talk a little trash with him. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's uh, – hate to see that in a They actually got a really good one. But Texas did as well with Chris Gilbert coming back. Keeping it football, though, Playing Joe. Chess. 
at the highest levels. The NFL Combine starts tomorrow. A school record at 11 Longhorns will be competing. Who are you most excited to see just, you know, get the spotlight, do their drills, compete at the Combine? Uh, of, of all of the players that are competing in the drills, uh, I would say I'm really curious to see what Xavier Worthy runs in the 40-yard dash. I'm also uh, curious to see what T-Sweat and Byron Murphy do in the line drills. Uh, and then ultimately, I... Uh, I'm curious to see who Jonathan Brooks ends up like interviewing with mm. uh, because there have been multiple, multiple um, draft writers and draft analysts that have Jonathan Brooks at RB1 in spite of the injury. And so I am very curious to see uh, who talks to him. Again, it's not a, uh, it's not like the world's deepest running back class in the world. And you know, the NFL has devalued running backs to a hilarious degree, but being the first running back off the board is the first running back off the board. That's absolutely right, Gerald. And I, um, I just I, I can't blame you. I think Jonathan Brooks uh, is is an exciting story and should be RB one. Uh, you know, even despite that injury, love to hear that. Uh, I am really excited just to see Byron Murphy. Like he's crushing the interviews, he's crushing the drills. He just he does what he does, keeps moving up the draft uh, charts. I, I will um, root for Tavondre Sweat in the forty yard dash. I really do. Just. Want to see that? My guy is going to break five. I'm sure of that. He's looking svelte, looking great. Um, I'm hoping Jordan Whittington can just, you know, again, kill the interviews. He's going to be on a team, and he's going to be beloved on a team, and he's going to contribute. I'm so excited to see where he goes. But really, for all these guys, I'm I'm going to take the cop-out answer and say I need 11 Longhorns to show out and 11 GMs uh, at least to, uh, to say I need those guys on my uh, team. And speaking of needing guys on your team, Gerald, I'm going to read this exactly as I wrote it in the notes, which is NIL preliminary injunction ruling equals bagman rum springer question mark. Uh, I don't know what it all means, but it seems like at this point, like uh, the NCAA is um, somehow even more useless in enforcing its own rules question mark question mark yeah it's uh it will be an interesting to watch if you're not familiar with it basically the NCAA ruling came out or the the uh, preliminary injunction ruling came out saying uh, effectively the NCAA is even more neutered and can do nothing so the wild west just got wilder uh it's a good time to be the rich boys um in Texas so uh A&M Texas others um it's gonna be fun um Gerald let's take it home with our final segments here with Godzillatron what do you watch on your giant screen yeah, so uh, I have been talking about the uh, book series I'm reading, The Expanse. I finished uh, the second book, Caliban's War. Uh, not quite as good. I, I will say uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. The ending was right up my alley. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but if you know anything about my sensibilities um, and you read that book, you'll know exactly why. I loved it. Uh, started book three like an hour before we recorded this podcast as I was watching the basketball game because that ADHD is a monster, so I was trying to do both at the same time. Uh, I went to the movie theater by myself for the first time in a long time and watched the uh, anime Demon Slayer uh release it wasn't really a new release it was just like the first episode of the next season shown on a big screen but that is ba basically what that show is made for it is very visually uh, appealing and so i had a good time with it uh and then i uh just rewatched dune as well the first dune because uh my wife and i are gonna go see it this weekend for a date night i love it i love it um gerald do you have a favorite commencement speech you've ever seen oh man uh it's probably the one that you were you've got in yours um 
All right. Well, don't don't tip I'm it then. Gonna, that's I'm fair. Not gonna, that's I'm not fair. Gonna ruin it, but that's a good one. Uh, that's I fair. Will Ferrell had a pretty good one, I think, too. I don't uh, I don't disagree with you, but my favorite that I've seen, uh, and maybe again this is the Texas Homer in me, was the 2014 commencement speech from Bill McRaven. I rewatch that pretty often. If you're not familiar with Bill McRaven, he is a, of course a UT journalism grad. Uh, journalism school graduate uh, who went on to, you know, do many, many, many things, including lead the raid, which uh, captured uh, and and killed Osama bin Laden. Um, The, uh, you know, talks about kind of his experience of of interrogating and and overseeing uh, Saddam Hussein's imprisonment. Um, Wild stories for, again, a guy who graduated from UT's J school like Gerald and I. but uh, but his speech is so tremendously good. Um, you should listen to it all the time. It starts uh, with you know his ten maxims that he learned through SEAL training and his life and experience, and starts with "Make Your Bed," right? And that's the name of his book, which he wrote to expand on that. And I thought the speech was great. And I have to re-listen to it. So my first time listening to the audiobook, which again I'd recommend because his voice is great and he's a great storyteller um, of him expanding on each of those 10 in a full book and it's short it's a short lesson but it's really uh worthwhile it's inspiring it's kind of grounding and humbling and and i won't you know tip too many of the the pillars and what he has to say about them but it's really easy practical stuff with crazy you know experience and stories behind it but uh it's great i would recommend it to everyone that's uh general or admiral excuse me bill mcraven's make your bed do it make your bed start your day with an accomplishment but that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, I have a very simple um, proposition for the University of Texas, and I think they've already pretty much made this decision. Uh, it is never go to Lubbock, Texas again after this year. Um We've had great times in Lubbock recently, right? The 57-7 to win by the football team this year. Great way to leave that. Uh, the indoor track team, the women's team, just winning a, uh, a, a title there in Lubbock, which, uh, again, great way to leave it, never go back. Volleyball getting a sweep the last time we were in Lubbock. It's It's been a very... Very good time. By the way, the the women's track, the fourth one is the, Gerald, I I looked this up and confirmed it. It's true. The 40th Big 12 championship in the last four years for the University of Texas, which is silly. Um, But they should just keep going to Lubbock um, this year and winning and then never go again. Also soccer, by the way, I forgot that, um, uh, the last time we played Texas tech beat them in the big 12 championship one to zero when they were ranked number four, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Never go back. Never play a home and home. <laughs> never play tech at all. Like just li- leave Lubbock where it is. We're going for baseball uh, this uh, a couple weeks from now to to play the uh, series there. I hope we sweep it. Um, softball will have to go. I hope they win. I you know whatever sport we play, keep getting wins. But then just never go back. They don't deserve the relevance the tv the eyeballs the uh you know the tourism dollars uh, you know the trips to the prairie dog museum i don't know what else you do in lubbock just never go back like let them wither on the vine and die they are irrelevant nothing runs through them except their gas station level food um it's it's nothing it's a terrible blight on texas and and as you saw from the way they treated our basketball team uh, the way they threw stuff on the floor and their coach had to get on the mic and implore them to be decent humans, the way they, they you know, joined the field and pushed over UT players in football. They're just immature hillbilly, not even hillbilly, just like 
desert bumpkins who just don't deserve any attention. Um, I, I don't know how to follow such a wonderful soliloquy, so uh, <laughs> I will jump in with my own. I am banging the drum this week on uh, something that's like not normally in our purview, but I have a lot to say about it. Uh, if you saw the viral video over the weekend, Cam Newton was at a football camp uh, in a tournament, had a team playing. His team actually won, uh, but some randos decided to run up on Cam Newton and um, Cam Newton showed you why that um, why professional athletes are the pinnacle of human evolution. They ran up on a man that was 6'5", 240 pounds, I believe, if memory serves, um, and he did not even lose his silly hat in the altercation. Um, and so I'm here just to say, like, one, when someone's out giving back to the community or when people that are um, – notable, leave them alone. Whether you're trying to go up and say nice things or you're going to try to challenge them to a fight and try to get some clout for your random business like these young men did, just leave them alone. Leave people alone. Teach your kids to be respectful of folks that are doing nice things because they will stop doing them eventually if we don't leave them the heck alone. I respect it. Just just remember like the Brian Scalabrini rule of um, when you play basketball, the best amateur uh, tries to challenge Brian Scalabrini. He's closer to LeBron than you are to him. Uh, the same yep. thing goes for, for Cam Newton. Just I, like of all the NFL players, one of the largest, most stout, I, I just, the calculus makes no sense to me, but yeah, don't, don't do that. Um, weird, weird, weird flex. And, and you know, they, they found out as they effed around, they found out. That this was such a, I'm going to just derail us for one second. This was such a beating that it made it to like non sports adjacent things. I saw in a D&D meme group that said, What happens when the three street thugs try to attack the barbarian? That seems like a D&D joke, and it it's seems a like D &D a really good joke, one. And it's a really good one. Just <laughs> Cam Newton's huge, and those guys are not. That's all we got for you <laughs> this week. Kyle, where can we get folks to find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on social media at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter at GH Goodrich. Tweet about nerdy stuff and my kids. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Tweet about nerdy stuff and sports. You can catch us on all the other socials, media, uh, Instagram, threads. I think we're still on Blue Sky. I think we're on all of those, but most of our stuff happens on Twitter. Uh, email us at Longhorn, uh, Pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook em. Hook em to Texas Aerospace. UT football player Tim Green helping to land the first on the Texas sports to the moon!